Welcome back to Play Tessie, episode 16. It is December 18th, Monday, getting you into the week after a weekend of reports, news, car fires outside Fenway Park, John Henry rumored to be at Fenway Park, all of that and more on this episode of Play Tessie, the Emerson Dickman, Will Middlebrooks, Andy Benatendi, and Jaron Duran episode of the official podcast of Setting Foot on Foot, also known as the official Red Sox podcast of WEEI, home of the Boston Red Sox. We've got Gordo, Pat, Sammy, and myself, Coop. What, what, what's up, guys? What a weekend it has been. I was down in New Jersey. I was in enemy territory trying to sully the uh the meetings that Yamamoto was having with the Mets and the Yankees did my best. I don't know how much I I could do, but we were in we were in enemy territory and it was it was a whole lot. I did my best for you guys, but what were you all up to? I went to a uh, Christmas party and I had some not nog, which is uh like spiked eggnog. It was unbelievable. Uh, so yeah, if you're having a Christmas party, get some not nog. Not nog, what? Yeah, like not eggnog. It's called not nog because it's not eggnog, even though it kind of is. It just has booze in it. It's good. So what is it not? Is it just like because it makes your tummy upset? Is that? It did make, yeah, I mean, I did have kind of a tummy ache afterwards, but it tasted really good. It was very like cinnamony and nice, but just, it kind of it's one of those alcoholic beverages that sneaks up on you. So tread lightly, but just have regular yeah. eggnog if you want to be festive. Tread lightly. Tread lightly, or else you'll tread wake lightly. up. Yeah, you, you tread up. lightly. You'll set foot on foot if you tread lightly. We'll like get a, into the. <laughs> feel like a I feel like a belly full of nogs got to be crazy. Yeah, I, I do mean, you not I drink really, eggnog, Pat? No, oh, I've never had crazy. it. Never tried it in my life. What's uh, you're Jewish though, so it's not as much. Is like not no, as. I mean, still a thing. Is it do, like? Oh no, I mean, like the only time I've ever had eggnog, the other Jew on the show. Um, was at like a Christmas party that I've been invited to. So yeah, Gordo, it's it's super super like viscous kind of drink. Um, I literally had I like, don't know a that word. In a full glass. I had like a cup and was like, "Geez, okay, it's that thick. was great." It is thick. What is melt viscous? Is what it is. What, what what is viscous? Like it's like uh, so like lava is like typically defined as vis- viscous because it's like slow moving but technically a liquid form. So like, but so like kind of thick. Oh, that's kind yeah, of it's, I it's thick milk. It's, I, it's I would like say the best way to describe it is thick, tasty milk. Yeah. Gordo, it sounds you, like this. It's the thing you like throw like in track this. and field. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, Gordo, Ooh. this is viscous. Viscous goes. One more time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, something that yeah, has yeah, low yeah, viscosity. Yeah. What does that sound like? Yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it, it, egregious that Pat, you have not had eggnog. No, no, I've had it. I just don't like it. Do can can Hanukkah adopt eggnog? I don't know too much about Hanukkah's like food other than latkes, and because like I, I love latkes. But do you guys drink eggnog? I say that no. like I've never interacted with like Jewish people before. No, no, we, I mean, no, that's like, that's you guys. Um, that's a Christmas drink. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm, I'm looking now. I've never heard of like a, a Jewish version of it or like it at any like Hanukkah party. I would just, I, no. I, even I growing up referred to eggnog as like, oh, that's the Christmas drink. I think you know, all, everyone should be able to. I just thought it was a winter Eggnog's drink. the best. Yeah. I mean, anyone could have it. We just like. Yeah. Know. There would be nothing stopping us. We, we do manage do it. We can instead. do it. You could. You guys could go out like December 25th when like it's the last day of eggnog being on the shelves and just buy up all the eggnog. And that that might be the thing to do. What if we did a uh, Jewish eggnog Hanukkah party where we kind of like dip our toes in the eggnog world? (laughs) What if like do you think like dipping latkes in eggnog would be good? Oh, God, that'd be disgusting. I don't (laughs) know. But it's sweet. Wet you know, potatoes. Like, yeah, you know, like I mean, on, uh, it's like mashed potatoes. Mashed well, potatoes are wet. You know, like after Halloween, when you go to CVS and the candy is all like ninety percent off. Yep. Maybe that's what maybe that maybe that's what eggnog is going to be like on the twenty sixth or twenty seventh, and we could have like our uh, Hanukkah eggnog party on like the twenty eighth. It's like a halfway between Christmas, halfway between New Year's. 
and your eggnog is 80% off. Can I be invited to this party? Because it sounds incredible. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, but another party that was going on was Yamamoto meeting with the Red Sox. Uh, we had the report early to mid last week saying that, I believe it was Tuesday, the news came out that the Red Sox were set to meet with Yamamoto in the coming days, along with a lot of other teams that he would be meeting with. And I, it became speculation city in the streets of Red Sox Twitter. Um, and once we hit this weekend, we got some reports of what that meeting might have entailed, what the Red Sox may have offered uh, to get this straight. It was Andy Martino came out with the actual report, I believe, but we got to credit our dude Pepin. Uh, he had the first report that it was a $300 million deal put on the table by the Red Sox, later confirmed by name. Andy Martino. His full name. Martino Pepe. No, Marino. 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 Because yeah, I'm thinking yeah. Andy Martino. Yeah, no, Marino. Put some respect on I my apologize. I apologize to the GOAT of um of just news breaking for the Red Sox, I guess. I, I'll say it. I'll he's say the it. he's the GOAT. The GOAT of making shit up. Oh. Oh. Ooh. Was, did he make it up because it was confirmed? No, 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 no. I think no, he had that. Give him give him credit for that. Yeah, I gave him credit. I gave him credit too. He he. You uh, me, you I were giving credit. credit to uh MLB executives the uh last week as well, correct? No, I just I just said uh oh. I just said uh oh. Can we? Uh, can we? Coop, uh-oh. I feel like we're burying the lead. We gotta we gotta discuss what happened to our co-host Gordo and the greatest one of the, my favorite tweets ever. I you know I never want to see Gordo get dumped Wild. on, but this was one of the funniest things. Like I genuinely, I was walking <laughs> to the not nog party. And I was like a crazy person just cracking up in the middle of the street looking at my phone. That was, I don't know. You want to read it? We need, we need to go through it tweet by tweet. I, I have it. I, it's, it's beautiful. Let me, let me pop open the old X machine here. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll walk through the process and you can take up the tweet. So the I process think, starts. I think that's the best way. Gordo, you, you read through the tweets because I think this is cathartic for you. Let me, let me go through it and then you can read the final tweet that, he, that, that you're going to have up. So it started with Pepin tweets out in the morning that the Red Sox have offered Yamamoto over $300 million and people start to freak out. And I tweeted, we've been down this road before, tread lightly. Because last year, this guy said that the Red Sox were going to pursue Aaron Judge until the very end. And then he was saying that the Red Sox were going to sign Xander Bogarts to an extension before the World Series ended. And then that didn't happen. Then he the entire time was tweeting emojis and all these things, basically saying the Red Sox are going to sign Xander. Just wait for it. And then it didn't happen. So I said, tread carefully. Then a couple hours later, Jim Bowden comes out with a report saying that the Red Sox and the Giants are being super aggressive and have offered Yamamoto over $300 million. Both of them have done it. So I tweeted out that report. And then I said, got to give credit where it's due to uh, Marino Pepin who had it this morning. And then after Bowden tweeted his thing, basically confirming Marino's report, he, he dunked on a couple of people, but me specifically. Coop, do you want me to read the tweets or do you want to read the tweets? I want you to read it. I, I need you to read it. Okay. So he quote tweeted my tweet that said, we've been down this road before, tread carefully. And his tweet says, one day... You will be able to set foot on foot. Don't lose faith. Dot dot dot. <laughs> <laughs> what was so your What I was your been... first reaction when you saw that? <laughs> well, I was sitting next to my buddy. We we're watching football, and I just said, Do you, "Can you tell me what this means?" And I sent it to like I sent it to you guys. I sent it to a few other friends. I sent it to my fiance. I sent it to a bunch of people, and not a single person could tell me what it means. But I think we all know. That he's dunking on me. Oh yeah, but that's but that happened. makes it all that better. That makes it better. It's the the ominous nature of it all that makes it so funny. Like he's yeah. dunking on you, like we said, but we don't really know what. It seems like Pat might have discovered it. Pat, you wanna? I think I have cracked the Da Vinci Code here. Oh, he froze at the perfect time. He's gone. Oh no, am I here? Oh, okay. he's back. okay. He cracked it. What do you got? Upon hearing it read. I think I know what he was trying to say, but it doesn't. 
Hey, am I back? Buddy, buy better Wi-Fi. Dude, I have full Wi-Fi right now. <laughs> Wait, say, say it again. Say it again. You're back now. Okay. Tr like, foot on foot, I think is alluding to... Am I gone again, dude? No. He's gone. gone no? He's gone. He Marino cut his Wi-Fi. <laughs> Marino's like, he was about to find out what I meant by that tweet. See, I think the funniest part of it is that he always tweets in Spanish. Like, every single one of his tweets is in Spanish. But he had to make sure that I understood what he was getting at here, so he tweeted it in English just to make sure. He got sure. Carabas, too. It wasn't just you, Gordo. He got yeah, Carabas no. as well. And he got Tyler. Oh, man. Everyone's so getting I, I love I this I have game. to give you a little bit of credit there, Gordo, because I wanted to make this point where he is only dunking on people that actually matter, that judged him. That's true. So you should take that feather, put it in your cap, know that he respects you in the long run. He know, he. He likes you. I don't think he's teasing you. It's a little locker room mentality. So he's only teasing you, you know, because he respects you. You know, and and you know what, Coop? If 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 because he tweeted out Sunday morning that Yamamoto will be meeting with the Red Sox at Fenway Park. So if that doesn't happen, I'll tease him back. It's a tease okay. off. Oh it's man, Pat, off. don't. There's no way. Uh-oh. Are you serious? We're losing, Pat. All right. Yeah. It's pretty choppy. See, this is the thing. This is what Marino does. He knew you were onto him, snipped your wife. He's probably outside your home right now, Pat. Snipping. He uh, drove all the way to Hartford, Connecticut just to mess with Pat. Yeah, he Am snipped I you out. Can you guys hear me? Now I can. You're super delayed now. Okay. Yeah. What if I turn my he's camera off? Oh, now he's right Wait. Yeah. Try that. Oh, that's that good. One. That's good. Okay. All right. So, upon hearing that tweet read out loud, I think, dude, there's no fucking way. There is no. Way. Oh, no, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. You got this. You got this. Go. Keep going. Keep going. I've got the local recording, so I it it doesn't matter in the long run. It's just funny watching you freeze up and we can't hear it. Foot over foot is referring to walking instead of treading. Yep. Like foot oh. over foot. Instead of treading. Wait, he so when like, I say treading, he's saying like one day you will understand that he does have a scoop and you'll be able to walk instead of tread. Yeah. So yes. when I say tread, because I'm just saying that it's just an expression. I actually, I, am I, is treading like referring to dragging your feet? Like, am I talking about like just drag your feet? Well, no, not like walking like carefully, like being able to walk around without being yeah. like cautious. So like here, here we go. So not only does Marino have a scoop, he also has a better grasp on the English language, which is not even his <laughs> first language. So he's just, I'm such a big, okay, I'll also give you some background. I'm friends with Marino's nephew, so I'm a little biased, but he, I think he's great. I love how he kept the receipts. And by the way, he was right with the Xander stuff right up until the end. No, right? no, pretty, no. Dude, no, he couldn't have been more wrong. He was guessing. No, I mean, he said he, the negotiation, isn't that what we heard in retrospect? That it was like, yeah, they were progressing and then the Padres swooped in and they were like, boom, 280. In, I, so we had thought that, but I thought Haim, when he went on a bunch of, like, cause Haim went on like that world tour after, and he was telling everybody that the Red Sox did not think that they had progress with Xander on that final day. But didn't, wasn't there that? That's on the final day. That's, or I guess like that was in the morning. Cause I remember. You're right, where like Haim Bloom like kind of woke up and he was like, all right, we're like out on this. But I yeah. didn't think that they even knew the number because I remember. I don't think they knew the number. Wasn't it Julian McWilliam? He like yep. talked to Haim immediately after at the airport. Awesome um, article. It was like it was like a, it was like fan fiction, but it was real. Because he said what? He turned white like a ghost or something? Yeah. The airport thing. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I'm pretty sure that Marie, like, I know he was being a little vague about it, but I don't think he got anything like factually wrong. Like they were progressing and then the Padres came and that's how I, dude, I don't know. But yeah. he, he would tweet out like dollar emoji, he would tweet out dollar emojis, fist bumps, and then say Xander Bogart's Red Sox. And like on the day of, yeah. he would be like, the deal, the deal is happening. The deal, like he, and then, it, and then, and then it didn't happen. And when people called him out on it, He's like, no, see, I tweeted the calendar emoji. That meant they were apart on years. 
like I, I just I have a problem with it because I thought he was playing with people's emotions when he didn't have any information. He was just tweeting out a bunch of emo- emojis. And That's I thought fair. that was I thought that was BS. He definitely was. He definitely was playing with our emotions. I totally forgot about the the dollar sign thing. I remember when that oh. happened. When I, I woke up, you know, woke up middle of the night, I was like, Oh, I use the bathroom. Go to the bathroom, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna check my phone really quick. And this is at four in the morning, and I see that Xander signs. And I swear to God, I'm not exaggerating. I did not fall back to sleep. I just stared at the light in my ceiling for four hours, just staring. So I, that was a rough I, day. My brain, that was my brutal. brain that blocked sucked. out a lot of that. I remember waking up. I think like I, I started to go to bed. I was in bed. I was ready like to just like knock out. And then it dropped. Like I remember like I had my phone on my desk in my like bedroom on the opposite side of like the bedroom and I felt like I heard the phone buzz and I was like, I have to check it. I need to know. And I just like, I walked over to my bed or walked over to my desk, but just boxers ready to go to bed. I pick up my phone. I see the alert and I instantly just like put my phone down and just like crawled back into bed, put the sheets over my head. I was up. I was up because the Celtics were playing like a West Coast game against the Suns. And I was just up because I was also like pretty on edge, like because we hadn't heard anything for a while. And then that tweet came out. It was just like, okay, I'm not I don't I didn't go to sleep until like 3.30 that night or something. It was just it was so bad. So here's a question for you, Gordo, because you were saying that you don't like the way that uh, Pepin plays with people's emotions. Is he in the entertainment business? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I guess. So would you say that the best way to entertain people is to be able to, you know, play on pathos, which for those that aren't loving English and didn't really pay attention in English class, pathos is appealing to people's emotions in order to either get a point across or be able to lift whatever you are writing or talking about, like it's a motif. Um, do you think that's fair for writers to or journalists to use their sources in order to entertain the public whether that be for the good or for the bad you know coop i if you want to talk about business and his job like yeah he got he gets the engagement by doing it like he saw that 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 him talking about xander and tweeting cryptically about xander would would get him clicks and he went with that but that's that's why i said to tread carefully too because emotions are running high with yamamoto like Sox fans want this team to spend money and they want them to spend money on this guy. So like Pepin now sees that he tweets about Yamamoto, gets a bunch of engagement. Now the next day we start our day off with a whole new thing and no one's confirmed it yet. So that that's that's why I say tread carefully. It, he It's totally within his right to do it. Like you don't have to reveal your sources. Like I know that this guy does know people. Like he is a credentialed media member in the industry. I just, I say tread carefully because we've been down the road before. Yeah. And when, when something has gained traction for him, he has continued to tweet despite likely not having any new information because it got the engagement. And I could see it happening again. He did it with Devers too. It just happened to be right with Devers. Like the Devers extension, like he was doing the same stuff. And Devers signed the extension. So like when I'm making the argument, I don't refer to it, but that did happen. So, so do you think, and like, it's, I think it's like, I, you bring up a good point in the fact that you have to tread lightly. And I agree with you. Like, I'm not trying to buy too much into the Yamamoto news because I kind of, I convinced myself that he's ending up either a Dodger or a Met at this point. There was a report that Steve Cohen is getting extremely aggressive and he is kind of push. He's basically acting like Jerry Jones of MLB now where he is the GM and if he wants a player, he is going to do everything in his power to make sure that player is signed. We, we saw it last year. We saw it his first year with Lindor. So it, it, whether it's a good fit or not for the Mets, whether it's beneficial for the Mets or not, I think the Mets are legitimately a front runner. Um, and they do have a second meeting as confirmed by Andy Martino. Sammy just put it in our chat, which that's exciting. I don't know if you, do you have the tweet up in front of you? The meeting just happened. Yeah, he just said that it was like 10 minutes ago. He just said that the following up saying that uh, Yamamoto requested the meeting with the Yankees. And then he added he also was the one who requested the meeting with the Mets. So it sounds like he's just doing a a second round of hopefully rejection uh, interviews with those (laughs) 
teams, and then he'll come to Boston and uh, he'll see our beautiful faces, and he'll be like, "I can't say no. Look how handsome they all are, and they have not nog." So how could he not want to be a in the playpen? A Tessie head in the playpen? Yamamoto deserves that. He he needs it. But so to finish off my point there, it's more of I think every team right now and every fan base is kind of in the same position that Red Sox fans are in. And they're all optimistic, but I there is so much mystery with what is going on with Yamamoto. And we just saw what happened with Otani. So it's a little bit of PTSD from Otani where you think that your team is just getting played. Where, yeah, I, I the best approach and how to look at this is being cautiously optimistic. And I, that's not a bad approach. That's not taking away from what Pepin says. It's just taking what information is being put out there and making your own opinion on it, which, I, and that's why I say like the whole, like what he's doing is entertainment. It is trying to bring news and information to a fan base so that they can be educated on it. But with the way that things work and I mean, we've, John Heyman, he he is still one of the best insiders in baseball, despite getting things wrong all the time. And it's all based on the fact that this is all entertainment driven. Like the minute people stop caring about you and what you do, not even just sports wise, like if you are a writer, that's when you start losing money. So I, I understand what he's doing. I, I'm not frustrated with it. We we do it, I'm sure, sometimes as well. And it's just being open with the fact that you are taking in information and making your best judgment on it. So I want to be the first to go on record and say that I want to be the first member of the Marino Pepin fan club. Okay. He's my guy. I'm going to ride and die with Marino. I trust him with my life. Sorry, Gordo, but that's my guy. I just, I just love that he kept receipts. It's so petty. So I'm i I'm a fan for life and I can't wait until he breaks the Yamamoto to Boston news two days before it's public. So what are membership dues looking like? You just got to like his tweets. I can do that. I can I be the second? Yeah, you can you can join. Sweet. I'm in your foot to foot. After a thousand, my foot, after a thousand, like, my foot's tweets, on foot all the you, time. You get a foot over foot t-shirt. <laughs> foot over foot t-shirts. I love it. You guys enjoy I, your membership in the fan club. I will be firmly on the outside looking in. If we got you a baseball isn't boring foot on foot t-shirt, you have to wear it at Fenway. (laughs) You give me a foot on foot shirt, I'm wearing it. Okay, deal. Deal. We'll we'll talk to Rob. We'll get that done. (laughs) I I do have a take, though, on Yamamoto with the New York teams. It's like the worst thing for Red Sox fans because the entirety of the offseason, Craig and co. have just been like working kind of in silence. Like nothing's really come out. And then it's also kind of the same thing from Yamamoto's camp. Like no one really knows what he wants. Like, sure, we know what teams he's met with. We know where, like how visits are going and stuff, but nothing in terms of like true, like Yamamoto wants this. He sees this. We don't know. And those stupid New York teams leak every minuscule piece of information they can to the media. So it looks like it's a two-dog race. Surely he's going here. Surely he's going there. And Sox fans are freaking out because they're not in the tweets. Relax. Like, even though we're not in the media like the New York teams because they leak everything, it does not mean that there's no talking going on, negotiations, visits, whatever. I don't know, man. I think we all just need to accept that we don't know until we know. And uh, if you want to have fun and believe the rumors and let your emotions run wild, more power to you. I actually think that's kind of fun to do sometimes. You don't take things too seriously. But if you get really, really mad about like a report being off or slightly off, then like, I don't know, just do something else. Go, go on a run. It's still a little warm outside. You can uh, go on a run or play with your cat. I don't know. I, I just think it's fun. You play with your cat? Yeah, I got one of them. Right yeah. Back here. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I got you on that. I see what you mean. Um, so I guess we were talking about this beforehand where taking an extra meeting. Are we, until the Red Sox have a report where they actually met with Yamamoto, how are we feeling about that? 
like are we is it still the same thing where it's like cautiously optimistic or do we see that news and we're just like oh okay socks are in the running because sammy and i were talking about where it's like the respect thing in saying no and we're convincing ourselves that that's what that means where yamamoto is just being polite and telling the yankees and mets to f off um and that he's interested elsewhere but i feel like as soon as like the red Sox are in that mix as well we're instantly like flipping the switch and we're like oh no 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 this is the finalist. So I, I more so stand on the side of, I think this is finalist. I think that the Mets and Yankees are serious contenders, and that's what worries me. Um, but I mean, where, where are your heads at? I, I think that these meetings mean that they're still in it. I don't think these are rejection meetings. I think, these, I think that the Yankees and the Mets are very much in the thick of this. My concern is that the only confirmed piece of Red Sox news that we have since they reportedly met with Yamamoto is that their offer to him is $300 million or north of that. But we don't, we obviously, we don't know if that includes the posting fee or if it's 300 million and then the posting fee. But the issue I have is that while that piece of news is significant for reasons outside of their pursuit of Yamamoto, because like obviously them offering $300 million to any player is something that should be taken not with a grain of salt because we're we've we've all sat here and wondered if they care if ownership will spend money and if they're willing to offer 300 million dollars to Yamamoto I think that's a pretty clear message even if they don't get the guy but that being said that same report from Jim Bowden said the Giants offered 300 million dollars I think we know for a fact well actually uh what's his face the guy who broke the Devers extension who am I? Who am I thinking about? Yeah. Former player. Not neither of those two guys. Oh, Bayerga. Oh, Bayerga. 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 Bayerga yeah, said the Yankees offered nine years and just over three hundred million, and we know for a fact the Mets are going to offer more than three hundred million. And we don't know for a fact that the Dodgers are going to do that, but I, I think it's fa- safe to assume that they're going to do that. So right there, those are there's five teams that we are either sure or are pretty sure are going to offer over three hundred million to them. So I'm I'm still. I, I, I don't even want to say I'm cautiously optimistic. I believe that they're in the race. But it's just the Red Sox, especially when comparing themselves to a team like the Yankees, which it seems like, and granted, I don't think anyone really knows all that much about his thinking, but based on what we do know, it feels like if all offers were the same, that would probably be where he goes. So Sox have to differentiate themselves for a couple in a couple of ways and and honestly the the biggest way to do that would be to to blow these teams out of the water financially you just got to hope that that andy martino report saying that the Sox and the mets plan to be super aggressive financially is right because if if the offers go like mets offered the most Sox are a close second and then everyone else is a distant third i think he would pick or i would hope that he would pick the Sox over the mets just because Sox are in a good position to compete soon you could be the face of that of that franchise's offseason, and it's a historic franchise, whereas the Mets have a history of absolutely nothing. So yeah. Steve Cohen can try to make what he wants out of that organization, but like just because a really rich guy runs it every single year, pretty much since the 80s, that team has flat out disappointed and been the baby brother of New York, and they just haven't done anything. So I think if your offer is close to theirs, Logically, he should pick you, but who the hell knows? Uh, I'm with you, Gordo. I like that, and I agree. The Mets are like, I said this a few weeks ago, they're like the kid on the baseball team with all the fancy gear, but they suck at the game. So um, where I'm at with Yamamoto and the Red Sox, I hate to be that guy. I just don't think it's going to happen. I think that John Henry is going to get scared off by a bidding war. I'm glad to see the rumored report that he offered $300 million or more than that assuming it's true, but I think he has a walkaway point that the other three, four teams don't have, even though they would be, you know, different tiers of the luxury tax. I just have such a hard time imagining a guy. And I, again, I hate to be this guy, a guy with no MLB experience getting 350 million or something from the Red Sox. And I would love to be wrong and I'll devour my words if I am, but that's where I'm at right now. I think the Red Sox, I'd give them like a like a 10% chance. They'd really have to get creative with the contract, uh, pull out all the stops in the meeting. 
Mm-hmm. I just don't see it happening. I don't think they got the charisma. You have zero faith in Sleepy John, and I'm upset about that. No, not zero, not zero. I, I mean, they still got a shot. They're in it. I mean, if he comes to Fenway and he feels like how Otani felt about Fenway when he came and he was like, oh my God, this is incredible. This is history. Maybe that helps. But like, if it's a bidding war, how, I mean, how could you say you feel confident in the Red Sox? They haven't won a bidding war since like David Price. I guess Trevor's story kind of with the Rangers, but yeah, man, I don't know. I just, I just don't see it, but I'd love to be wrong. And I don't think they're out of it yet. I just, if I'm guessing, I'm saying like Dodgers or Yankees. So that's where I'm at. And that's like, it sucks that that is where we're at right now. And we talked to Chris about it where they haven't shown anyone any inkling of that they are willing to go outside the team in order to spend. And I get that. I, Heim Bloom's whole thing was trying to spend on people that are within the organization because that is the best way to evaluate talent and be able to accurately value it. Like you said, like Yamamoto being outside of Major League Baseball his entire career, his short career at that too, is a little bit for concern. And that's not to poo-poo what uh, the MPB is. We've now seen that it's not as competitive and not at the level of Major League Baseball. But it... I would say triple a level is where it's at now. It's maybe even above where triple a is at. It, yeah, you, it's mostly you hear it's between major league baseball. It's a and quadruple. Yeah. yeah. It's a quadruple a. Yeah. And, and, I also would say one small note on NPB, a lot more contact hitters. So the one thing that would probably translate like flat rate would be his strikeout rate, which was like nine point something. So pretty good. Um, but anyway, continue. Sorry. Yeah, no, and, and, but like, that is the thing where it's like, you bring up a great point where we can it's not that we can only look at his strikeout rate as something that is comparable to major league baseball but you the fact that you have to justify making a comp for him that way is what is concerning to me and like i i have flashes to Daisuke, and i know that Daisuke ended up being instrumental in getting the red Sox a world series but for a majority of the time it felt like that was a wasted contract like it, it, he wasn't delivering right out of the gates the way that we had hoped he would. And the fact that the Red Sox are now looking at a similar situation, and I don't want to paint them with the same stroke, but there is a reality that you spend a Raphael Devers generational type contract on a guy that just does not perform and you bet on something that had insane risk. And I, what we've seen from the Red Sox is that they're not willing to do that especially within the last five years, like even David price. Like I brought that up in a tweet last week where like you look at what the Red Sox did the last decade and you take that first five years of the decade, they're willing to spend outside the organization. They're going balls to the wall and what they do with their contracts. You look at what they did the last five years and the most previous five years, they've gotten away from that. David price signed six years ago. Out, and I think that was the last draw where it was kind of like, hey, like David Price did get us to a World Series and help us win that ring. But you paid insane money for a Cy Young guy that never ended up being his Cy Young caliber again. And I, I think that scares John Henry because the dude cares about money at the end of the day and making money at the margins whenever he can. And that's what makes him skittish. And that's what puts me in the position of I am cautiously optimistic about what happens with Yamamoto. Like I... I'm, I would say I'm at like a 5%, 5% he signs. I don't know okay. where your head's I'm actually at. higher than you. I, I was going to say 10, just because it's down to like four teams. So statistically, it's yeah, not like, like- I, I haven't moved at all though. Like it, it, like my confidence on even when the Red Sox are mentioned, I'm still kind of like, all right, I, I'm willing to wait and see. Yeah. It's so okay. weird. I feel like, I feel like if you listen to just our conversation, you would think that I'm the most pessimistic, but I'm higher than both of you guys. Like I, I think there's a legitimate, what, 15? Between 15 and 20%? Because I don't know. I just think that there's basically, hopefully, four main teams in on this. And if that's the case, like if it's four teams and they all had an equal chance, it'd be 25. But one thing I do want to say on this, and I, I tweeted this out, but I definitely want to say it on here too. Yes, there 
to your point, Coop, you said like they haven't spent that kind of contract since David Price, and they haven't. And even before David Price, they were a little bit skittish on uh, on long term contracts to pitchers. And obviously, like this guy's different because he's twenty five, but of course comes with the risk that he hasn't pitched in the majors. I think. Oh boy, just dropped my phone. Um, all all time episode right now for uh, now, the audio. <laughs> hell yeah! <laughs> Keep rolling though, Cordell. No, but I just pitch data analytics and like the, these these scouts and these computers abilities to evaluate these guys just based off of pure stuff and like just the pure arm action and the actual pitch itself is so advanced that I honestly feel like there's not that much risk at all comparatively to like just signing a normal guy, particularly like mainly just because of his age. But the point I wanted to make is that if John Henry actually pulled this off and maybe, maybe this is a premature conversation, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Like if he pulled it off, you wouldn't be able to say anything about him like ever. Like the two, like last year people were saying he doesn't pay his own guys and he has declining payroll and he doesn't care. Well, last year he paid his own guy. He paid his his biggest star over $300 million. And now the gripe is he's declining payroll. He hasn't shown that he cares. If he pays Yamamoto over $300 million, a guy who obviously has not thrown a major league pitch, and he goes up against literally every single big market team in the sport, like all of the financial Goliaths are in this bidding war. And if John Henry went up against all of them, and then include that includes the final boss Steve Cohen, and is able to get this guy, <laughs> the final <laughs> boss, the least intimidating looking. I'm just final picturing boss like Steve ever. Cohen, <laughs> pixelated like video game character on Bowser. Put his face on Bowser's body. That's that's what here you're going up against here. And if he actually pried Mamamoto away from those guys and got him to come to Boston and paid three hundred million dollars for a pitcher. Like, that's the one part of his legacy. Like, he's won four championships. He spent a ton of money for years. Like, he's done everything, except we have this weird five-year period where, like, he hasn't done that. And it's a kind of, in a lot of fans' eyes, tarnished his legacy. You wouldn't be able to say shit ever again in my book if he did this. And in my in my opinion, that's a legitimate incentive for him to get it done because we've obviously discussed how perfect of a fit this guy is. That should be in the incentive. But if it's not... Well, I gotta push back on you up, real quick. Fans I gotta shutting push. up should be the incentive. So the way <laughs> that I like, I would agree with you if he didn't come out at the winter weekend last year and just kind of like be so disconnected with what the fan base wants and come out of that being like, I don't know why these people are booing me. I gave you four championships. Players are expensive. I don't know what else you want me to do. Like I, I've given you the happiness. What more do I have to do? Like in, in my mind, and this is why, like, I always bring up that John Henry looks at it like it is a business because that is what it is. Like, yes, you have to win championships to keep people on board, but I mean, he's he's kind of like a crack dealer. He gave you a little bit of taste when he first came in, and we're at the point where you can't live without the Red Sox in your life. Like, we're gonna go back to the well no matter what. Like, I we had this discussion last week about casuals being lost, but you have the diehard fans that are showing up to Fenway no matter what. Like. Fenway will sell tickets next year. That's that's a promise. We like to say that, you know, it'll probably hit July if things don't happen this offseason and it will be an empty ballpark. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, he still sold season tickets at the beginning of the year. And yeah, he might get hit in the next upcoming offseason. But I think he's able to pilot. He's in his head is able to parlay this into another season where he can continue to make money or until he wants to sell the franchise. So, I mean, like, as much as I want to think that he cares about championships, I, I I don't think he does. He cares about putting out a product more than a championship. Coop, one of the comments you mentioned was when he said players are expensive. I find that so like insulting as a yes. fan from a guy yeah. who's worth five point one billion with a B dollars to say that to his fans who are like the I mean, say what you want about Red Sox fans. Find me a more loyal fan base than this. They're so loyal. They show up to the ballpark 95% of the time, even when the team sucks. Like, don't insult your fan base that's been there since you got here and has mostly supported you back through this, what, 25-ish year tenure. So 
I hated that comment. And I don't like to be the guy who gets all riled up by media comments because I, you know, most of the time they're playing the game. But that one just rubbed me the wrong way. Players are and expensive. They, Man, and you're they worth 5.1 right million. Yeah. Fans see right through that too. Like at least these at least Boston fans. If you like and it goes to other sports too. And the the team that always talks about that is the Celtics. I don't know why, but like their their players and like the front office and, and the coaches, like they anytime they do these interviews like on like ninety eight five or whatever, like they always say, like this fan base, like you can't bullshit them. They yeah. can see right through you. And I feel like it might be more the case with the Red Sox than any, than any of the other teams because this fan base, I f- I feel like the Red Sox fan base is the most loyal out of all of them. Even well, it's though more of it's more of a, like a fixture in the community than it is all the other teams. Like the Patriots, the Patriots exactly. have incredible fans right now. Maybe not so much this year, and I think this is the first year where you see it dip off. But they had a lot of bandwagon fans. What the Red Sox are, the oldest professional sports team in not just the country, but in Boston, like they are a fixture. They are an institution. They are doing charity work. They are building up the city. They're literally building up the Fenway area and like making their mark on the fact that it is going to be a real estate company more than just a baseball team anymore. You also like, have arguably the most iconic sports venue in the entire country. Like what's mm-hmm. more iconic than Fenway Park in all four sports? Like hockey and uh, basketball, you have to throw out because all the arenas look the same. It base Yank Stadium's gone. Wrigley's the only one that's kind of close. The Giants and the Pirates, they're beautiful, but they're not as iconic. They haven't been around as long. Football wise, Dallas, maybe? I don't think so. So yeah, man. I mean, they've got it made. You but so you just but you just made the exact point that John Henry would make in the fact that we don't have to spend. Because no, other people are gonna be you have like, you have this great asset. You can't then put a crappy product on the field and like like that eventually runs out. Like you need to take advantage. He would make more money if he had a good product. That's what I'm, that's what's frustrating to me. It's like, if you spend money, we will also be inclined to spend more money. You know how many Yamamoto jerseys would sell in the first five minutes? I think it would, I, Kike Hernandez was the most sell, like the best selling jersey (laughs) for the Red Sox, which is, that's it was. That's an insult. (laughs) But that's what I'm saying. You have this crazy diehard fan base. You have a great venue. You have great history. Freaking supplemented. How many times have we said supplement on this show in the last like two months? Like, ah, I'm so. How tired did that of- happen? How did Kike, before he even played a game, have a one of the top selling jerseys in in MLB? How did that happen? He does, face. he does a funny face in his pictures. He goes, "It's funny. You like it? Yeah." Well, he does funny. this. He does this with his teeth. It's funny. Hey, I'm hitting. Be fair. We we up. all we lapped up those those pictures of him and his wife when he first came in there. He he's funny, but he wears, he wears down on you. Like it's all right, this is cool and all, but eventually you got to start producing. Um, Before before we wrap this up with a little enough said, Pat, any, you got a final comment? What's good. Do you want me to, you want me to propose this? Yeah. I want to hear something. I I heard you cooked up something special for the fans. I did. I kind of teased it on the old Twitter machine. We're kind of formatted as like a who says no. Like this is just like my realistic kind of outline in a non-Yamamoto world. Okay. Move number one, Jordan Montgomery on a six by 160 contract. You then pivot and trade Jaron Duran, Rafaela, and Nico Cabadas for Jesus Lazardo. Morosi just tweeted that Polanco is very much available and the Twins need rotation help. Tanner Houck for Jorge Polanco, straight up. Matt Moore on a one-year, $4 million deal. You then are down essentially two center fielders because of the Lazardo trade. You get Michael A. Taylor on a one-year, $8 million deal. In total, all of those moves is $55 million, which keeps you below the second tax threshold so you can still make a play next year. Discuss. It's a home run offseason, Pat. If they even, – even without – like I feel like the uh... – the Polanco, even as much as I love Polanco, Polanco and Taylor, like that part of that sequence is all is such a bonus. Like if if you just cut it off after Monty and Lazardo, if Monty and Lazardo, if you add Monty and Lazardo, like you can do whatever the hell you want with the lineup. That's a home run off season in my book because you've completely remade the rotation. But obviously, 
I'm a huge fan of Polanco, and I really like Michael A. Taylor too. So, hell yeah, Pat. Pat, my one thing: what, what was the offer for Luzardo, Duran, Sedan, Rafaela, Cavadas? He has three years of uh, control. Wait, who? who Duran, Rafaela. Okay. Nico Cavadas. So that's the only part where I think I think that they're gonna. It's gonna take like Meyer Anthony to get that guy. He's he's a freak. He had two hundred eight. Oh, yeah. Than under 180 innings, and he's 26. So, other than that, though, like I would, I would change up the trade. But like in a vacuum, yeah, that's like a sick offseason. You have a good rotation. I think Lazardo could legit become a number one, like a real true number one. Um, Monty gives me big time, kind of like Lester Lackey, just like steady veteran. Not going to push him away, but good vibes. And then Polanco, I like Michael A. Taylor, one year deal, just defense. That's fine. Yeah, I like it. Home run off season, like uh, Gordo said. Uh, so when you bring up that you have to offer something more, I'm wondering where your head is at because I was thinking similar, but who are you replacing Marcelo or Anthony with in that deal? Because in my mind, I like I look at Nico, no disrespect to Nico. He's a friend of the program and baseball isn't boring. Um, I, I don't think they care about like bringing someone in like him. So I think it would have to be like Rafaela that you take out and you put in uh, yeah. like Anthony or, cause you can't, you can't give up both Rafaela or Marcelo and Anthony. It would have to be Marcelo and Anthony replacing Rafaela and that like the Red Sox can't give that up in my mind. Yeah. So I, I, I hear you. I think, and one thing I've learned from talking to Rob and then people around the game who've seen these trades happen over the years, the multiple, not how do I put this? I don't want to call it spare parts, but like multiple lesser tier guys. Yeah, I think it doesn't rather, so like my offer for Lazardo, I think it would be like Anthony and then Cutter or Hauk. It would have to be one of your top prospects, one of your top two guys, because like I said, you're getting a potential ace for very cheap money for what Andy three Scott. Years? Yeah, three years. Three years. Yeah. So that's incredibly expensive. So I would go. Anthony, and then one of those two pitchers, Cutter or how, whoever they prefer. Uh, and that is a really, really high price. I think it's deservedly high. I don't fault anyone who would say I'd walk away from that trade if I'm the Red Sox. But I do think that that's what a guy like Lazardo is going to cost. And personally, I'd, I'd do it. It's, we've seen how hard it is to find guys like that. Red Sox churn out uh, hitting prospects like crazy. So, yeah, I would do it. Anthony and let's say Cutter for him. And, you know, I, I, I forget where I saw this. I wish I could credit it. But I, I saw somewhere that the Marlins want to get a shortstop. So, like, a, maybe if, maybe Marcelo Meyer would, would intrigue them. I don't know. But maybe even if, even if you went with Roman Anthony, maybe they would want a middle infielder in, in York to go in with that. I don't know. But if you're getting a guy with three years of control, that's, that's the only time that, you're, that you should be willing to get or to to offload one of those prime three guys like Anthony Meyer Teal, those guys shouldn't be going for anyone who's either expiring or has two years left. So if you can get Lazardo, I agree, Sammy. He could like his ceiling is as high as anyone's. Like he yeah. could be that guy. And like for the last two years, I feel like the last two years he's been what like kind of like a number two, and he's shown flashes of number yeah. one, two or three. Yeah, the last few years, it's great. Like the guys who everyone makes fun of the A's. All the guys that they draft, they're pretty good, man. That like, trade they know sucked, they're... though. That the do you know what terrible. they got from him? That was my oh, nugget. That was my oh, nugget. It was a like, like good, good draft pick. That trade <laughs> rental Starling Marte for Jesus Lazardo. Half year oh. rental wasn't even before the season. I know. In the yeah. middle of the yeah. year, you you got to consider like it's the A's. By the way, I was not saying the trade was good. I'm saying Lazardo, good draft pick, but um, or a good development. I don't know how they got him, but you have to consider. The A's are the A's. If they're in a position to make a run, they have to do it. And remember, that team was nasty, and Marte was having a great season. So I would not have done that trade. I think it's crazy. Said but, at the time. But I was yeah. shocked at the time of that one. I get I it. I get it. Yeah, I don't like it, but I get it. Um, also, Gordo, you said that the Marlins are looking for a shortstop. I think the other thing that they said they're looking for is a left-handed hitting outfielder. So Hell Yeah. Meyer or Anthony, I really don't. I think they're both awesome prospects. If I had to keep one, I guess I'd keep Meyer because the position shortstop. But whatever, man. I mean, we're splitting hairs. They're both great. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. All right. Just 
to go back on saying you said you didn't know how they got Lazardo. I'm going to tell you how they got him. They didn't draft him. He, he was drafted by the Nationals in the third round. He was traded with Sheldon Noose and Blake Trinan, who lived in my buddy's basement for six months, but that's aside from the point, to the A's for Sean Doolittle and Ryan Madsen. What a freaking coup by Oakland on that. Yeah. Larry, is he licking himself? What the hell? <laughs> Have some deep. And on that note, on, let's let's just roll the offset. Jeez, Louise. Uh, I I'll I'll start this off. It kind of goes to what I was talking about this uh, this morning or at this morning. This is how brain. I just drove six hours in the rain back from Jersey. Um, New Jersey roads suck. Like I know that state's not great in general. They have great bagels. I think that's all they have going for them. Um, my cousins live there. They are pretty cool. Uh, I I think it would be beneficial to them if they moved out. It, <laughs> I, that's just how I look at New Jersey. But that's I cool. think by far the worst thing about New Jersey, worse than the fact that you roll into Newark and it smells like crap, um, <laughs> the roads itself. Those roads do not make any sense. I understand they're trying to be organized and efficient, but it just ends up with me taking wrong exits every time and having to go like down a huge parkway hit a jug handle try not to get sideswiped by a like semi and then also just go back down that same parkway where it would have been great if i could have just like turned left out of it to begin with so that's all i want i feel like i'm going mad with that stuff you're complaining about the setup not the quality because i was about to push back and be like dude we live in massachusetts we have no yeah no listen i i potholes do not mean like my butt is so cushioned now from hitting potholes my entire life that it's just like completely calloused by the car seat. It's the fact that the roads do not make sense and you go insane. So what I am saying is Yamamoto will show up in New York, New Jersey, wherever he flies into. Smell it. He's going to hit the roads. He's, it's going to smell bad. He's going to be trying to get to his meetings. He's going to be running late because of the traffic. He's just going to be like, hey, guys, I'm out. Boston has traffic too, but at least like I know what the roads are like. Like it's disorganized chaos in Boston. Carl Crawford was supposedly not enjoying his time here is per Carl Everett because he couldn't figure out the roads. But at least like you can live close to the stadium and take a or I just said stadium referring to Fenway Park. So shoot me for that. Uh, But at least you can live close to the park and take a scooter anytime you want it. I'm out. The I'm out on New away. Jersey roads. I, I I don't know why they exist. They How take away their whole department Jersey? of transportation. Nobody's ever been in on Jersey. You can't be out on Jersey. Nobody's ever been in on it. So. There's far too many people in on it. It's an incredibly populated state. That's another thing. Like, I, Why do so many about? people want to live there? There's why does nothing it smell good so about bad? It. Why do New York and New Jersey both stink? Everyone says that. That's like the comment I get from people who are from here, people from the West Coast who visit. They're all like, oh, it stinks. Why? I know that they have a bunch of factories right around there. So maybe they're just like burning the worst smelling stuff in the world for whatever meaningless industry that is powering that state. Who knows? But it, it, I'm out. I'm out on the flower state or the garden state. Garden state. Garden state. Yeah. Yeah. Newark, whatever. That's Newark, still lame. The Newark, garden state. Be something cool like the Bay State. Hell Newark yeah. Smells like a porta potty. It's disgusting. It's oh, gross. It's, it, it looks like one too. It's so disgusting. Yeah. And you, you, I drive by that anytime I'm going to New York and it's just like, oh, it's so gross. It's the armpit of America. But all right, I yield my time. Whatever. F you, New Jersey. Uh, we'll say New Jersey does have really good public schools. So there you go. Ah, hey, Woo! at least they have that figured out. And bagels. Yes. Can't bagels. Yeah, okay. They're not Funny, number uh, one though. Shout out the Commonwealth. I'll play off of a Coop's little New Jersey thing. Because it, 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 it's kind of the same. Um, I am sick and tired of hearing about the New York Mets. They yeah, are not, they are. Not this was Sammy's team. like a, a week or two ago. Now, like yes, you were yes. complaining Go. about Go. Uh, Sam or uh, More Mets Cohen. Hate. Yes, they are not a good baseball team right now. They have no real minor league talent aside from like Drew Gilbert's very good. We'll see about Luis on Acuna, but I mean the major league roster. You would think that, like, everyone's like, oh, Yamamoto, Mets. Their rotation right now is Jose Buto, um, Joey Lucchesi, Tyler McGill, David Peterson, uh, Kodai Senga, and Luis Severino. What are we doing here? 
they suck. Yeah, I agree. You could offer someone all the money in the world. If you have a bad baseball team, you don't have a shot. They are not good. They are not. Like I said, like I said earlier, they're the guy with all the nice gear who's on your baseball team that just rides the bench because he sucks, but he looks good. But he's great comp. He's got that gold plated Evo shield like Verdugo. And you know what? (laughs) He's like, he's like, he's in high school, but he's five foot five. And like, he's in solid shape because he's like, kind of account he's trying to overcompensate for his short stature and he buys all the nice equipment because his family's super rich but like even though he works out a ton like he's he's not getting in the games he's not good coordination's not there he's not not coordinated oh, yeah. so no can't hit yeah. anyway yeah, pat couldn't agree more i think i mentioned this like two two episodes ago i'm just it's what you said like it's not that i hate the mets it's that since steve cohen got there it's like all right there's a bidding war for player x and here come the Mets with their offer. And they're like, hey, man, you want to join our team? We'll throw money at you. And it's like, oh, do it the right way, man. Like, build the farm, make smart trades, then spend a lot of money. They're trying to, like, skip the line. And I feel like they paid for it last year with those terrible yeah. oh. with those. But also, um, this was from months ago. They kind of created a new way for big market teams to get prospects like you make these huge signings and if they don't work out flip them for a top prospect it's just money so yeah and i i I can't the steve cohen mets are they're cringe that's what they are they're just cringy yeah all right i'll go next i'll go next the other day i was uh trying to get rob his mic back and he was going to some event at fenway park so i told him i'd meet him there beforehand I got there like a little bit early and it was really freaking cold. And we we're meeting over by, I think it's Gate D, the one by the Tasty Burger. Yep. All right. And Media it's really interest. cold. Yes. It was cold as hell. And it was dark out. Like it's, of course, it's like only five o'clock, but it's like pitch black already because like screw us. But I decide I'm going to go into the team store and just keep warm. And I go into the team store and I just, oh, so it was so so depressing in the team store when it's dark outside and no one is there and they're playing Christmas music at the team store. I don't know if you guys have ever been in the team store in the off season. I didn't like it. I hope they don't take Yamamoto in there. I mean, like what jerseys do they have up right now? It would have to be all past Red Sox, I would imagine. Who do we have? Who's on the team? Endeavors you're probably selling. They've got Casas, and I think they got some Yoshida. Sale. I don't know if I saw Duran. I don't know how much sale I saw. They've got a thing where you can like customize it. I forget like, the sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were selling. They were they were selling tons of Chris Murphy gear. Brandon Walter too, but Chris Murphy was the was Chris the headliner. Murphy. Put some respect on Chris Murphy's name. I think that guy could be like a good like multiple inning bulk guy. But anyway, sorry. Sure. Trust but me. Yeah, big old I, eater. I, being in the team store when it's dark out and no one's there and they're playing Christmas music was tough. I was like, oh, I hate this. I hate it. I literally put on a podcast in my ears because I was like, I have to pretend that I'm not like in this situation right now. Did you even look at the price tags, dude? You could get a t-shirt for $57. It's a great deal. <laughs> oh, that might have been the thing that pushed me over the edge if I did that. If I started looking at price tags, oh. You I can got, buy a hat um, for about like 50 to 45 or 45 to 50. I don't know why I did that reverse when you can just pop open your phone, go to the actual MLB store at Lids and get one for $10 cheaper. Um, yeah, but you got it at Fenway, Coop. I got, got it at the Fenway team store. store. I didn't even go. Oh, did you get that at Fenway Park? Not even, oh, dude. I was across the street at the team store, guy. <laughs> Not even. Not it's even. Of, can only get this at Fenway. It's special. I'm trying to take oh. a tour of Fenway Park in like the freezing cold. When do you think they stop giving them? No, I took so I, my friend uh, Patrick visited from Austria. He lives Shout in Vienna, and he came to visit last winter. Uh, I think it was j- January, because uh, he's a big Bruins guy. I wanted to go to some games, but he also wanted to do the Fenway tour. And oh my god, it was like thirteen degrees and windy, and I hated it. I was just like, hey, I hope you like the ballpark, man. It's really nice in the summer. I swear to God. So actually, you know what? Maybe don't come here, Yamamoto. It's freezing cold right it's gonna be cold it's gonna be 60 when you're listening to this it's probably like 60 degrees out but it's gonna be raining 
So I don't yeah, know. If Yamamoto the, likes the rain. Bring him. But if he doesn't like the, the rain, tropical, the tropical. There's some like weather thing that's making it hot for a few days and cool down. Just so anyway, show him some weather. Um, I got probably the most fucked up nuff set ever. Um, here's how the Red Sox are going to manipulate Yamamoto's brain and get him to sign in Boston. So bear with me. Fenway Sports Group, like we said, worth a lot of money. John Henry, $5.1 billion. So what they're going to do, they're going to hire a handful of paid actors to kidnap Yamamoto when he comes to Boston. And it's going to be very traumatizing. And I'll feel terrible about it, but this is important. As long as you feel bad about it. Oh, I feel terrible. Look, I, I, I can barely keep it together right now. So they kidnap him. And then... Uh, do you guys know who Bob Whetstone is? No. I, no. You do. You do. Bob Whetstone is the guy who stands outside of Fenway telling everyone they're going to burn in hell if they don't. Oh, like, oh yeah. He has a name? Bob, I've said that he out? has a name and people yeah, He's done him. interviews and stuff. He, he's like a local, uh, I won't say legend, but he's a guy who is often well, He's Fenway a local. Yeah, and the garden. I'm sure he's a local. Yeah, I think he's from like Watertown, but Anyway, so Yamamoto's kidnapped. He's in this van. There's all this rustling noise. And then all the paid actors, uh, they, they fake die. They're on the ground. There's like tomato juice all over it. So it looks like it's very messy. But then Bob Whetstone opens the door and removes the mask from Yamamoto. And Yamamoto believes that Bob Whetstone saved him. And then Bob Whetstone has his sign. He's like, I saved you. And this somehow relates to God. And now you should be religious here with me. And Yamamoto goes, oh, my God, this is my life turning point. I'm now religious. And I'm also going to sign with the Red Sox because that's where Bob Whetstone is. He saved my life. I'm going to pitch for the Red Sox for the next like 14 years. And I'm also very religious now because of this traumatizing experience. And then the Red Sox also pay for like therapy and everything. Else. I'm I'm just picturing Yamamoto reenacting the the small green aliens from Toy Story, just being like, "You saved our line. We are eternally grateful." Yeah. Uh, can we can we alter this a little bit? Can we workshop it? Go ahead. Okay. Um. So I understand it's basically a cult. That's. I mean, it, people have their thoughts on religion. I'm not going to poo poo anything, but it sounds like we're trying to form a cult here um yeah, it's like a fake what? it's not really the religion it's like a fake version of it so it's yeah it's like a like an offshoot of christianity i mean yeah, like i would a, assume that he's evangelical whetstone i don't want to assume any things bob whetstone is a um where is it i just read it. a conservative fundamental baptist by his own pronouncement okay uh we have to work well you're the pr guy we'll talk to him we'll try and figure out a name that's catchy but i <laughs> think that PR play don't worry oh <laughs> What could go wrong? Nothing will go wrong. And here's how we get Yamamoto to believe that he becomes the like the deity of this like cult slash new religion. Um, what about it? Would it be too far to make him a god? Is that too far? So so he OK, so maybe and so like way, maybe tell Yamamoto like he like Whetstone opens the, the van. Maybe all the gut like all the actors are in the van with him. Whetstone opens it and he's just like, hey, this car just crashed. What just happened? And Yam we convince Yamamoto that he used his mind to kill all the people that were bad to him. So now he's associating coming to Boston is getting his full power. And we just yes. get all these other actors to start believing in Yamamoto being a god. We could also have Bob, Bob could also be tied to some wires so we could have him like float away afterwards okay like he's very very god like he is god he's very godly what he about instead of whetstone we use kanye i feel like kanye <laughs> might be he's a little uh, bit more a-list controversial not, not the best guy but i don't think whetstone is he like the best guy either from what i've seen no no whetstone uh, is a good guy he said in an article with the patch he okay. said i'm just trying to see folks get into heaven so how can you hate on that He's a good guy. So anyway, yeah. so let's 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 run it through. Yamamoto's kidnapped. And by the way, John Henry's paying for all of this because, of course, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's just so funny. Yamamoto kidnapped. Uh, the uh, Bob Whetstone fake kills 
all the the actors who are the kidnappers. We put like tomatoes on them and make it look like blood. It's not blood. Nobody's actually getting hurt. Everyone, don't worry. And then uh, Bob Whetstone opens the van door, takes the the masks off of Yamamoto and his guys, and then he floats away uh, into the sky. I don't really know where he's gonna go after he levitates a little bit, but he could just leave permanently. I'd, I'd be cool with that. No, no, you're not gonna get into heaven if he leaves. Haven't no, you seen this? You can't. That's can't, fair. Can't, can't can't leave. We need him. Oh yeah, I think I speak for all four of us. Uh, we fully support this idea. So. No, I, yeah, no, I'm on board. Nothing can I'm go on wrong. Board. I'm in. Great. I'm cool. on board. All right, sweet. Sign of approval. We'll get the plans in motion. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, don't tell Yamamoto. We're all in the trust tree here. All the Tessie heads in the playpen. You're in the trust tree when you listen to this podcast. Whatever is said doesn't go outside what is said, unless we're posting about it on Twitter and Instagram, which go and follow at Play Tessie, because this has been episode 16, December 18th even though I have it wrong on the actual uh, graphic here. Uh, but Yamamoto still out in the open. Meetings are happening. Something, hopefully, by Christmas. I, I need some type of gift from John Henry. It, it is the season of giving, so maybe you should saddle up. But thank you for listening. If you're not subscribed already, go subscribe. We're on, we're on the Odyssey app. How can you not? Go download the Odyssey app and then go immediately and subscribe to the show. After that, if you're listening to on Apple, if you're listening on Spotify, if you're a weirdo listening on the Google uh, podcast app, we still love you. But uh, also subscribe. And uh, I don't know. We'll we'll catch you uh, on Wednesday. I I'm hoping there's news. We need news. It, it's gonna be. We need something. But also, oh, tagline. Where I, I just keep adding more and more and stuff. This is a terrible exit. It's never. But gonna uh, Brian Barrett Wednesday. If you love the metric man, the old the old pre and post for uh, Red Sox games, uh, he's now with the Ringer doing things with Bill Simmons. Uh, we are going to nerd out. If you are someone that likes numbers, uh, this is going to be your episode for you guys. So I want you guys to start putting together maybe your toughest who says no for him or questions on potential for guys' futures. It's going to be a good episode for our, our nerds out there. So tune in for that on Wednesday. And like I said, go subscribe because this has been played. Peace out, toodaloo.